0: Welcome back to the Daniel Muggleton podcast. It's me. I'm Daniel Muggleton. I'm the guy back from the hiatus, the unannounced hiatus, the, let's be honest, unplanned hiatus. Plenty of things happened uh, and you're going to hear about all of them very soon. Five things that happened on my UK tour, Uh, just general, general European feedback. I think that's always necessary when you go to Europe. You must come back to your own country and uh, make grand sweeping statements based on your limited time there Uh, and a little bit of bad advice. That's coming up. But first, you know how we're getting there it's our mates from Verticoli. All right. Last time I spoke to you, I was just about to embark on my first ever international comedy stand-up tour. I mean, stand-up comedy tour would have been pretty good, pretty good there in terms of word order. But yes, that's what I that's what I was about to do, and I've done it. And now I think you'd like to know five things that happened. I, I've been I've been working on that. Is that better? <laughs> I've been doing the five things segment and I was like, why don't why don't I give the why don't I give the word five things that like you know the the title five things that happened a bit more zip and uh that was that was the best I came up with five things that happened now it's kind of a you know uh epic epic movie guy what's it called trailer trailer guy that ah uh, damn it. There's a a term for it. There's a term for the guy that does... the Is it the epic trailer voice? Epic movie? Something with epic. Why do I want to put epic in there? Is epic in there? Ah. It's the the voice of the guy who does the trailers. Like, coming this summer. Like, that kind of... I don't know. Either way. Five things that happened. Number one. uh, Three people flew in from Europe to come see my shows. Um, That... Look, to be honest, that absolutely floored me Um, because, you know, not many of the shows were sold out. So there were some people who lived on the same street as the shows who didn't come in, but three people flew in from Europe to various UK cities purely to watch me do comedy. Well, that's how it works in my head. Like, I, I feel like they got off the plane, they went to the hotel, they waited intently staring at the door, getting ready for the moment where they get to see me do jokes. And then they left and they watched the show and were like, brilliant. And they went back to the hotel and waited for their flight home. That's how it worked in my head. Uh, They probably, you know, did some sightseeing, went outside on their own, maybe ate a meal. Uh, But in my head, it was purely to see me, uh, you know, almost, almost like someone being somewhere on a very strict visa. Like they weren't allowed to do anything else. Like they were only allowed uh, to see me do comedy, um, very flattered. Two from Berlin, one from Majorca. Uh, so you know, I think I think I owe Berlin a show in future, um, because two that's pretty that's pretty solid numbers, right? Um, but yeah, my favorite one was the the lady who came in from Majorca, uh, because um, the other two shows like the first one was in Edinburgh, which is sold out, and the second one was the first night in London. Uh, which was almost sold out. And the third one, was the, the lady from Elgar came, was all the way in Bristol, and it was like hot night, middle of the week, kind of half-empty room. Very lovely show at the new Room Above. It's called The Room Above. Great room. Harry, who runs that, is a fucking weapon. So I highly recommend it. But yeah, just like to come all that way to see me in like a room above a pub with like semi-air conditioning and like not that many people there. Uh, it, was, it was truly bizarre. But I, I really appreciated it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's very humbling, I think, when anyone would go to that much effort to see you. Um, you know, obviously, I like to think of myself as personally reversing uh, the effects of Brexit, uh, but I don't want to bang on about that too much because you've got to say, uh, encouraging European immigration to the UK is actually probably something that will negatively affect my visa status in the UK going forward. Number two. Uh, I did a bunch of other podcasts. I feel like maybe that's why uh, I didn't do this one. I mean, I was very busy going up and down the UK, schlepping uh, schlepping in the car, doing the best I could. Um, But I feel like I did say a lot of things into a microphone pre-recorded while in the UK. If you want to check them out, uh, I did Have a Word, which is one of the biggest podcasts in the UK. My mate Adam Rowe hooked me up with that. Uh, He is the co-host there. And man, like just an inspiring thing because they started it during lockdown. I remember I was like sharing the clips early doors and then now they've got their own studio space, like a huge studio in the middle of Liverpool. They're absolutely crushing it. Uh, My episode only came out with like two tour dates remaining and I still had people roll up on those tour dates being like, heard you don't have a word. Uh, and because I told a story, uh, well, rather Adam, <laughs> being the bastard that he is, uh, inquired about whether my wife still eats hard-boiled eggs. Hint, she does. Um, now I'm getting tagged on Twitter by various people whenever people eating eggs is mentioned. So that's a lot of fun. Have Word was great. Uh, spread negativity it was also awesome. Another North, north West so in the Northwest of the UK, most of these. Um, that was great as well with Aaron and Liam. Um, that just came out today, actually. So you can check that one out. Had a lot of fun there. Uh, making fun of the size of people's heads. That's just one of the purest topics of comedy. I got to say, having a small head, having a big head, having features that aren't the right size for your head. That's gold. 100%. Lock it in. Uh, Dead Men Talking, Uh, really excellent as well. Uh, My favorite bit of that was that Mary just had to kind of chill in the car um, because she was with me. My wife was with me on tour. Um, And she just had to chill in the car in Bolton, which is like a small northern English town. And she hadn't experienced those because when she was living in the UK, she had a job in London. She wasn't taking gigs wherever she could get them. Uh, So she wasn't used to being in a small English town that wasn't quaint, you know? Like in the UK, you go to the small town, you expect it like quaint, like kind of those small, like stone walls, rolling fields, like some kind of country living scenario. Whereas like the other small English towns are just small and a bit sad. There's, there's nothing uplifting about them. There's nothing quaint or historical. It's just like, Hey, this is where we can afford to live And there's not much here. (laughs) Uh, That was really fun. Dead men talking. Uh, Dark humor, I think they'd say. Um, And yeah, just some truly disturbing videos. Like, I don't know if you guys can see the videos when you watch the YouTube clip of it, but there's just like a section where they show you like horrific online videos. And I was like, oh man, I've still got a conscience. That's awesome. I felt bad. Uh, And... Finally, this one isn't even out yet. Uh, some Laugh, it's a Scottish comedy podcast. Uh, Mark Jennings, Stu McPherson on that. Um, super fun. Uh, they grilled me about the tracksuit thing. And uh, yeah, just really, really fun dudes. So go check that one out when it appears. Oh, and also um, some some classics that I've done before. Uh, Masters of Our Domain. Uh, That's with Milo Edwards and Phoebe Roy. It's about Seinfeld, which I adore. And I also jumped on Trash Future, Milo's other podcast, which is fucking massive. Uh, But I think that one is behind a paywall. There you go. That's the podcast update. See, I did podcast, just not my podcast. Genius stuff. Uh, Number three. I got completely fucked over by a train strike on the first date of the tour. Uh, So basically... Trains in the UK used to be somewhat reliable and somewhat affordable. I'm using somewhat fucking loosely there, but they've gone downhill big time. I'd heard about this online and I was like, you know what? London to Edinburgh, very reliable train. That's how I'll get up there. That's how I'll start the tour. Two days out, train cancelled, train strikes are on just for that particular weekend. Oh boy. So I said, all right, let's be safe. Let's get the plane up to Edinburgh. It's a massive pain in the ass. Comparatively, it's more expensive. Luggage is an issue. You got to get to the airport, blah, blah, blah. But I thought at least it's reliable and won't be affected by train strikes. Ba-bow. Guess how you get to the airport? It's a train. Yeah, it's a train to the airport. Guess what trains are also on strike? That would be the airport train. So, since our flight out was early, we had to figure out a way to get to Gatwick, which, being a London airport, is nowhere near fucking London. Uh, It's literally an hour and a half drive from the bit of London that we were staying in. So, we had to book a cab to the airport because that was literally the only way to get there. Uh, Public transport would have taken three hours... Uh, which is generally the length of time it takes to get from London to Birmingham, which is a completely different city. Uh, So we had to book a cab to the airport, which, and let's just remember how weird the world is, cost more than the plane to Edinburgh. That's right. The cab from our house in London to Gatwick Airport cost more than Two plane tickets from London to Edinburgh. That was the start of the tour. I'm not I'm not going to say it was a bad omen. I'm just going to say, wow, what a way to just get fucked immediately. Like uh, Steve Hofstetter, who I've toured with, uh, supporting him on tour extensively, always has this saying that I have taken on board 100%. There's always something. Uh, which basically means when you do a show, when you're on tour, every single day, every single venue, there is always something that goes wrong. Uh, something that doesn't go exactly as it's supposed to. Something that you didn't expect to happen, happens. And oh boy, was there something on that first day in London. Uh, oof. Don't worry, Edinburgh Show sold out. It was great. Excellent way to kick off the tour. But fuck me, we started on the back foot, didn't we? Number four. Uh, I chose to do my second London show on the hottest day of the year. That's two years in a row, by the way. And during the Champions League final. And when I say during the Champions League final, the Champions League final was 8pm to 10pm. Daniel Margleton, how the you have fallen at 21 Soho. Oh boy. 8pm to 10pm. It's just the kind of thing. (laughs) It's just the kind of thing where you... Wouldn't think about it in advance because like, there was an English team in the final, so everyone was watching that or just generally being outdoors because uh, it was a very late start to the summer this year in the UK. Coincided perfectly with the second week of my tour. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just one of those ones where I'm like, I wonder why the Saturday isn't selling as well as the Friday. The Friday's going great. What's going on with this Saturday? Oh, shit. So remember, there is always something and uh, my favorite bit of that was uh, As you know, I'm an independent comedian and I take a lot of pride in being an independent comedian and doing all this stuff myself to prove that agents really don't do much at all. But there was an agent at the show and during the Q&A, she asked, why don't you have an agent? And I I said, because I think I could do all this myself, but then did admit that an agent probably would have been like, hey man, probably probably give... Uh, the tenth of June, a miss. That's when the Champions League final is. That's going to cost a champion. Anyway, number five. Uh, during what was a promotional spot for my show, I did a little, little cheeky, jumped up on a lineup show uh, before my own show just to sell some last-minute tickets. Um, I was, I was doing a joke. If you've, if you've seen my old show, the White and Wrong show. Uh, You've probably seen this joke. It's the joke about coming in my wife for the first time and how that was a nerve-wracking experience because I'd never done that before, which involves uh, an act out, some air humping, fucking the air. I I chose to fuck the air instead of the stool. I know comedians have loved fucking stools for years now, but I thought, nah, the air is good enough for me. Uh, Involves an act out of that uh, to, to explain the situation, to give everybody a visual. And I've been doing that joke for like a couple of years, never really had too much feedback from the crowd. But on this afternoon in Edinburgh, I start doing it, and this one lady goes, What is that? And I was like, What? And basically, I had a, in the, in the crowd that day, there were two stag do's, which are Bucks parties. They call them stag do's because they have to have their own fucking word for everything. That's the British for you. Uh, and also a thirtieth, a lady's thirtieth birthday, and what was happening was they were critiquing my air humping. I I had I I'm so annoyed. The venue films every show, but the cameras fucked up for that specific show, so there's no footage of this. Otherwise, I would have loved to share it with you. But basically, there is a seven minute stretch in the middle of my set where I'm trying to hump the air the crowd are criticizing my technique and I got increasingly (laughs) self-conscious. Because you think, like you're humping the air, you're like, how hard can it be? Like people, like MC Hammer does it as a fucking dance. Like it's the the easiest thing in the world. But no, apparently my technique has been garbage this entire time. It's a joke about uh, having trouble impregnating my wife. So that kind of got brought up as well. And it was just this hilarious where everyone was kind of critiquing me, but also encouraging me to keep humping the air. But I was starting to refuse to because I was like, this feels like bullying. (laughs) Oh, man, it was so good. It was so funny. And it just reminded me, it just reminded me of British audiences, you know? Just like Australian audiences would be like, he doesn't know how to fuck the air, but I'll keep that information to myself. But the British are like, hey, what? What you doing? What you? Do? That's not what. Oh, she's never going to get pregnant like that, mate. Oh, that's not going to happen. Um, I don't know why that British person was from the past, yet watching me do comedy in the present. But you get the idea. Um, I got through it. Everyone applauded at the end. Uh, Mary's still not pregnant, as far as we're aware. But I can't. I can't help but think it's a matter of time now that my technique has been fixed. That was it. That was five things that happened on my UK tour. All right. So that's what happened on tour, but I reckon, I reckon there's probably a few more things uh, to walk you through. Obviously just off the bat, if you listen to the pod uh, and you came to the tour, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Like, I didn't really reflect on it too much beforehand. I think, like anything, with with your own kind of career and stuff, right? Like it's very it's very difficult to be present in the moment and appreciate what's going on. Uh, I was mainly uh, at the time at the time of the tour, um, mainly concerned with finding parking. <laughs> I know, I know that sounds absurd. Like you're on tour, you're doing a comedy show in a new country. You're working with a bunch of different acts like you, you know, your favorite acts around the place. You're catching up with mates. But really, yeah, parking was probably the dominant concern throughout. Um, I didn't realize this uh, because, you know, usually I don't hire cars in foreign countries. Like I think hiring cars overseas is always a very terrifying experience, especially because Australia is uh, one of those countries that drives on the left. The majority of countries drive on the right. Obviously, that was not a problem in the UK. Uh, And obviously, also just hire car companies are evil cunts. Like, I think we can all agree with that. Like, I don't think anyone's sitting there being like, hire car companies, what a brilliant service. Um, (laughs) No, just not that they're like cartoonishly evil, like, you know, bankers, accountants, and uh, opposition sporting teams, but like, just kind of low key evil. Like, I mean, customer service complaints are always just very riveting. Uh, radio, but one of the hire car companies, um, I won't say which one because uh, they figured it out and they sorted it out quick, smart. But they overcharged me more than fifty percent of the hire fee for no reason, just. For no reason. They're just like, this is what you owe us. And I'm like, that isn't right. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's not. Fair enough. Here you go. Like, what if, what if I wasn't the kind of psycho who was trying to balance the books on an overseas tour, bringing his wife with him, which makes things way more expensive. It's amazing the the level of self-respect I'll treat myself with when Mary's around. But when she's not around, I'll go in the shared hotel bed with the included breakfast, which includes bacon from a previous government's term. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just like if I didn't check, I just would have paid it like for nothing, like literally for nothing. I was like, what would you overcharge me for? And they're like, we don't know. Like, we, We're not sure. Anyway, parking. Sorry, I got sidetracked. Parking. I didn't realize how localized parking is. I thought, you know, parking pretty simple. You find a spot, you go in the spot, you check the sign to see how much it costs, when you can be there, blah, blah, blah. But uh, Milo Edwards, great comic, uh, does the Trash Future podcast, does the Masters of Our Domain podcast, uh, supported me in London. Um, Very good friend of mine. He drove us to the London show on the Saturday and he parked in the center of London for free. And I was like, how? What? what trickery is this? Like what kind of wizardry are you currently involved in? Cause like, this is like Soho, like the center of London. And he just found a spot like quickly. Like he looked online, did like Google street view, fucking good hack that don't mind that, but like found where parks could be. And then just got the park immediately free all night for as long as he wants. And I was like, that is fucking incredible. And I looked at it and I was like, dude, you can't park here. And he's like, what do you mean? Of course I can park here because I'm doing that thing. Like I'm I'm mansplaining parking to another straight white man from that country because like even, you know that thing like where you're in the new place and you're somehow walking at the front of the group? Ugh, I don't know why I do that shit. Anyway, it looked like you couldn't park there, but he's like, no, no, I can park here all day. Like single yellow means this. And you just have to know that. And that was the thing when I was in the UK, like, I cannot emphasize how much time and money Mary and I spent parking just because we didn't understand the ins and outs of British parking signs, like the, the markings on the road and like just that kind of intuitive. I didn't realize until now that like parking is kind of like back in the day when you download files on the internet or like phishing emails. That's probably like the... Scam emails, scam emails. There we go. That's that's kind of the modern example, right? Like, cause a scam email, to to know that it's a scam, like, it's difficult. It's difficult to explain. (laughs) It's it's difficult to explain, like exactly why you know it's a scam, but as soon as you see it, you know. And the same with parking, like, it's difficult to explain, like, why you turn left down that street, why you went down there, why that sign in that spot Me like there's there's signs that obviously clearly state, hey, this is when you can park here, but like where to find that and like the things that will have the gap because I feel like every city around the world, like it's not blanket. Like, I don't know why, but like everywhere seems to have free parking. (laughs) Oh God, this is, this is, This is definitely someone who's come off a long flight uh, and just is trying to piece together this logic. Sorry. So, like, because obviously every city could just be like, hey, everything in this radius is paid. But, and I, I can only speak, you know, very knowledgeably about Sydney here, but, like, in Sydney, just everywhere, like, even some of the most central sought after business district places will have just a street with free parking on that street at all times. And you just get lucky whether you get it. Like, you know, the streets there, like when I was, when I was doing comedy at the magician's place, like, which is, you know, very much a paid parking area of Sydney. It was literally across the road from a huge parking station. Like I knew seven different areas within a, three minute walk of the place that had free parking amongst just the regular paid parking. I've, I've never been able to figure out why cities do it. Like, is it, is it to get you to drive in, to attempt the glory, the dream spot fail, and then have to pay for parking because at that point you're committed or like, do they, do they just like to encourage competition? Um, is it, is it like they think that no one will know about the free spots apart from them? Like this is just the town planners trying to get their own in? Like, I don't know. Like I genuinely don't know. But like, I promise you, like in Australia, I did the tour in Australia with the car. Even in new cities, I just had a sixth sense of where I might be able to get a free park or at the very least like a low paid park or at the very least a park where it would become free earlier than the other ones. Whereas in the UK, I had no fucking idea. Like it was incredible. I think the, the record was Brighton. When Mary and I tried to park in Brighton, I think it took an hour and a half. Like, and not because we were just circling and circling and circling. She was literally looking up cheap parking or free parking. We were going to those places and then just nothing and it took that long it took that long and it's really funny because you know on this on this tour I definitely felt not having an agent like I know or well an agent's probably the wrong idea not having a promoter like some kind of producer who just kind of knows how this shit works because like in Australia I kind of know how it works but in the UK even though I lived there for a couple of years it is a foreign country and like I know that an hour and a half, or like, let's just say on average, 45 minutes, that's how long it'll take us to get to a city, find the park, get the car sorted, get to the hotel. I know that doesn't seem like a long time, but when you're on the road doing a show, you're in a new place every day, you're checking out of a hotel every day, so you're checking out at about 11 a.m., you're checking in at about 3 p.m., and you're on the road driving between places, having lunch, whatever, doing podcasts, let's be honest, between those times. And losing that 45, like while it's not an insane amount of time, but it fucks everything because that's when you would have had your nap. That's when you would have sent that email. That's when you would have tweaked that advertising. That's when you would have organized that thing. Like, But you're just in the car and you're just going around and around and around and losing it. I don't know who the person is who can look for parking calmly. It ain't me. (laughs) Can anyone, has anyone ever met some fucking sociopath who doesn't get like emotionally abused by the lack of spots? (laughs) I think that's the thing, right? There's no way to fail to find parking without taking it a little personally. It's just like, wait, there's no spot for me? There's a spot for all these other motherfuckers, but not for me. Like just that kind of thing. Maybe maybe I'm revealing uh, too much about myself there. But yeah, I just, I never, I think maybe just cause, and this is going to be no surprise to any international listener, Australia is so big with such a small population that parking isn't really a big deal here. Like getting free parking is always like not... If you're, in a, if you're in a city in Australia, getting free parking isn't easy, but it's certainly not impossible and there's always the option to pay and it's not that expensive. Whereas like in the UK, like I think, I'm trying to think, basically the average for parking was maybe 20 to 25 pounds overnight, maybe 30 in some places. And like the hotel room itself was like 55. <laughs> So you're, you're paying like as much for your car to be in a space overnight as you're paying for a person to be in a room overnight cuz like you know two people split the room blah 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 that's like basically half half It was crazy man and like it's just I don't know what it is it's just like it's just like with that file downloading like it's it's just these intangibles that you can't really explain to anybody but it's like, yeah, Brighton's another great example because like in Sydney, you got to park by the beach. Like that's probably the hardest place to park in Sydney, by the beach. And like basically you're like, I know the further I get away from like the flags, like the flagged area of the beach, the patrolled area of the beach, the easier it's going to be to park. So you can kind of go up and down, like up up the beach, down the beach. So you're still on the coast, but further away from that bit. Or you can go further away from the beach, like kind of into the city. And Brighton, like, we went fucking everywhere, like, and just everything was paid. Like, you just never stopped being paid, like, two hours maximum, and we needed it for four because, like, you know, we, we couldn't move it again before the show or whatever. And just, like, you, it's so hard to find that information online, like, because... Like You know, Mary's doing the navigation thing. I'm getting frustrated. And she's like, what do you want me to put in? And I'm like, free parking spots, Brighton. And then you hear that back in your head and you're like, that's fucking crazy. Like nothing's coming up. (laughs) Nothing's coming up with that. Like it's just going to be a bunch. And it is. It's just sponsored ads from like parking stations where it's like, hey, low overnight rate, 40 quid. And I'm like, 40 quid? Overnight? but one that's fucking crazy that's like 70 Australian dollars i just yeah it was it was so funny like if if you'd have told me that one of my biggest takeaways from doing my first international tour it would be hey have a parking budget <laughs> there is no way i would have believed you but now cutting off the back of it i'm like not Not the parking budget for just like affecting the bottom line, even though it fucking does. Like, think about it. 10 shows, that's like 200 quid, 250 quid overall. That's like, I don't know, if you're taking a venue split, 30 to 35 tickets. 30 to 35 tickets I sold went purely to parking. That's fucking insane. But like, it's not just the money, it's the time. The time that it took away trying to park in these places like was just an absolute killer because remember you sleep the pride doing shows till late you're getting drinks after you're moving to the next thing like time is the most precious thing and you're spending so much of it just driving aimlessly through towns you've never been to before being like is this free like there's there's no there's nothing more parking in a foreign country than getting out of the car in a spot with the engine still running. And both of you just staring at this sign, which anyone who's from there would glance at and understand immediately. But you're there just staring at it like a dog speaking a foreign language. And you're like, what could this possibly mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I know I know that's like a niche thing to talk about, but like, what's the point of having a podcast Uh Unless you use the opportunity to be like, hey, you know, you know what's a thing about stand-up comedy on the road, touring life, yo, uh, that you never hear, parking, motherfucker, parking. That's the that's the big one. Um, sorry, just another another quick one on on my wife. I feel like she's going to come up a bit, given she accompanied me on the entire tour. Uh, we just flew back uh, two days ago, and I wanted I wanted to run something by you. Uh, like obviously you can you can reach out to me via the various forms of social media or the email addresses. If you're the OGs, you know how it is. If you're if you're the the only Dan's, the ODs, that's the one I'm looking for. Or, or if, even if you're a muglet, you know how to reach me. Dan at DanielMuggleton.com.au. I just wanted to I just wanted to throw this out there to you, see how you feel, come back at me. So we flew home and you guys probably uh, don 't know this unless you live in Australia, but um, when you fly from the UK to australia it 's two flights generally there 's now a direct from London to Perth, but we live in Sydney so it 's two flights but sometimes it 's the same flight so it 's called generally it 's Qf1 and Qf2 I think those are the Sydney ones anyway where you fly from Sydney to Singapore, Singapore to London London to Singapore Singapore to Sydney um, and basically it 's the same plane. You just have to get off while they clean it then you get back on the plane. So I think it's about seven hours, eight hours to Singapore, then about 14 to London. So you're on these planes for a long time and you're on the same plane. And before you get on, you choose your seats, right? And Mary handles my flight check-ins and seat choosings because uh, I've proven incapable of doing it in a timely fashion. Um, And for the flight home, she chose the same seats, on the plane, both flights. And like, not like good seats. This wasn't like, oh, exit row or like in that little top bit. Like, you know, the A380 where you go up the stairs, there's a little top bit where all the fucking, like the VIP section. I got in there once. I never knew how to get back. It was incredible. Um, I think because like there's stairs or something, there's no old people or children. So it's really a win. Uh, <laughs> they just can't handle the, the, the stairs getting up. They're like, fuck it. Keep them on the ground floor where it's safe. Um, it's inaccessible is what I'm saying and isn't it shocking that that's where I choose to spend my time but she chose the same seats 63A 63C we did the move where you know there's two of you there's a three-four-three three seat configuration so you play A and C leaving B available what kind of fucking psycho chooses the middle seat on the aisle and you hope to get the poor man's business class which is obviously an empty chair next year uh Worked on the second flight, didn't work on the first one. Oh, we're not monsters. Like, obviously, if someone chooses the middle seat, they are like, hey, we actually know each other. Would you like the aisle or the window? So one of us suffers in the middle. That's how that works. But the same seats. Like, you're on this plane for 22 hours in, in two incredibly long blocks, and you don't want any variety at all? Like, I didn't know until we got back on. I'm like, are these... Are these the same seats? (laughs) And she's like, oh yeah, it's the same flight. I just figured we'd do the same seats. And I'm like, but don't you just want to change it up? Like we could have gone, we could have gone 63, what is it? G? No, 63, I and K? Ah, what are the how how many letters in the alphabet? A, B, C, okay, that's that side. Then D E F G. Oh, H I J. We could have gone H and J. We could have got across, just checked it out, seeing what that that flank of the plane was doing, but yeah, she picked, she picked the same seat. I, I found it baffling because I was like, if there's if there's anything I could have in the world right now, in between these two mammoth flight times, it would be variety, just 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 any kind of change, any because like, it's not like they let you you know build a nest in the first. Flight, and then you just settle back in for the second. Like they completely clean the plane. Like it may as well be a new plane, but it's not. It's the exact same one. You know, like that's the chair that you've been revenge farting in for the for the last fourteen hours because the guy put his seat back uh, earlier than was was necessary in your eyes. That's that's real. Come on, I don't need to explain this again. But I just I feel like I got to keep putting the PSA out there. If you recline your chair in between takeoff and the meal service, you're an irredeemable piece of shit and you'll not get into whichever heaven your religion deems real. And if you do that, I will, I will, and I, I don't feel any shame about this, I will shake your seat. I'll just kind of give it some nudges unnecessarily um, and until it is time uh, to recline your seat, which is after the meal service when the lights go dark. That's when you recline your seat. Everybody knows sleepy time, lights off, seat back. Uh, I'll stop doing it then as some kind of Pavlovian thing. You know, I want to teach these people a lesson. Um, and whenever I get up, I will bump the shit out of it. And also, yeah, as I said previously, if you do that, I will fart as much as I can into my seat, hoping somehow it wafts forward. Onto your already reclined seat. The old revenge fart on the airplane. Um, obviously it harms yourself. It harms those around you. It harms your marriage. But. If it harms the person in front of you. Then I consider it. Uh, a valid use of time. So. That's what was going on. That was. I, I got into my pre-farted seat. Uh, and then the next people. Didn't recline it too early. Actually fuck they did. It was the second flight they were cunts. The first flight they were okay. So yeah. I was actually the only revenge farting on the second leg. But. All I'm saying is that's insane, right? You should definitely just pick different chairs, especially if they're not that good. These are just like any old aisle, like any any old row, you know? Like it's it's the second most insane thing she did after, I still remember this. This was in London in 2019. She, she wanted an ice cream and I was like, yeah, no dramas. And then she got two scoops and they were like, okay, what's your first flavor? And she said, pistachio. And they said, all right, no worries. What's your second flavor? And she paused and she said, pistachio. (laughs) What's that? You got two fucking flavors, dude. And you got pistachio on both? Pistachio on both. This level of loyalty makes me feel very comfortable in my marriage, but does make me question the soundness of your mind, uh, to use a little legal jargon there. But... Yeah, please. If you agree with it, like if you if you agree with me, don't even worry about writing it. But if you agree with her that you should go to the same seats both times, like somehow that's comforting or reassuring, um, do do get in touch. I'd love to. I'd love to know your logic on that one. Uh, finally, I know this is this is travel travel heavy, but I just I wanted to. I feel like I've been having, having a poke at my wife there on the on the last on the last anecdote, but I want to I want to go myself here. One, I'm not a clever person in a lot of ways, and I got like I think that I know what things mean, and just kind of carry on until I'm very publicly corrected. Like I don't I don't double check myself unless it's spelling in a text message. I'm not a psycho. Uh, if I'm not confident on how to spell a word, I will use a synonym uh, just to make sure uh, there's no mistakes being sent out there on my phone number. But this is what I learned on this tour. I didn't know this, but it echoes another sh- another mistake that I lived with for many years. Um, guest house as a variety of hotel is not good. I want you to know that too. Cause I heard guesthouse, and I was like, this is gonna be somewhere between motel and hotel. I think, like, cause the hierarchy obviously you've got hostel, motel, B and B, hotel. I and I feel like service department is kind of on the same ranking. As the hotel, it's just like, hey, there's going to be less turned down, more kitchenette. You know, you're kind of picking your poison there. But yeah, guest house. I thought, I thought somewhere between motel, hotel, um, Holiday Inn, obviously. <laughs> um, but no, it is it is firmly somewhere between hostel and motel. And the one I stayed in in Glasgow was murdery as fuck. It was. A terrifying situation. Just that one where you walk in and immediately know that you fucked it. And it's it's always with those ones where there's no chance of cancelling the booking. Like it's never, it's never that one with a simple cancellation policy where they won't care. You can get your money back. You'll find somewhere else. Nah, it's always like, brother, you are locked in. we have got your credit card details and a gun to your dog's temple. Um, so we've got you in the triple room. It's always the triple room. The shittier the accommodation, the more they will put two people in a triple room. It's like, we know this is a dump, but here's an extra bed for your suitcase to lie on. I don't know. what On this trip, it happened all the time. Like It was like, there's just two of us. We just need two beds. And they're like, no, no, no. Here's a double and one single over there uh, for the murderer to lie in while he waits for you to come home. This place was so murdery. It was a guest house. We did two guest houses. Both of them were fucking bizarre. And I, I it reminded me of when I thought direct factory outlet meant <laughs> that like it was direct from the factory. Like this isn't the shit that the regular customers are getting. This is like, this is the top end stuff. Like I always used to go to Adidas factory outlets thinking I'd get track suits that, you know, don't even make it all the way to the originals flagship store. I was like, Hey, we're on here. Like this is direct from the factory. This is the good shit. This is pure, you know, just like somehow in my head, it's kind of like, you know, not, not quite like off the back of a truck kind of scenario, but just like, it's, it's, it's failed to be you know, besmirched by the impurities of public consumption. Like this is straight from the factory to you. It's farm to table. That's what it is. Fuck. I'm such an idiot. It's farm to table. That's how it worked in my head. It's like, don't worry. No preservatives. These chickens are running free. Farm to table, bitch. Like this tracksuit is coming directly from this artisanal seamstress to your back. Like that's where it's going. And yeah, just like so wrong. Factory outlets are where... Look, I don't I don't know exactly how to describe just like if if there was some inbreeding amongst the garments, that's when like that's the clothes you get at the factory outlet. Like just the kind of clothes that like, you know, have webbed fingers, um <laughs> too many toes, like that that's what you know what I mean? It's just like a tracksuit top. And another tracksuit top from the same family. like Not even second cousins. Like first cousins kind of level gross. Like a royal family type scenario. Like they fuck. And then the offspring of that is what you can buy at the direct factory outlet. And that is what the guest houses were. They were grim. And like the first... I, I need to go on about this Glasgow one just because... <sighs> Sorry. Sip necessary. Still, stun, still kind of jet lagged. So the Glasgow one, I just need to go- talk about that because I had like a bad feeling. It was like that thing where you walk in and the, the clerk is like, he doesn't say anything rude, but like he hates you and doesn't trust you. Like just that thing where it's like, he's looking at you like, like a, he, just, he just looks at you like you're going to try and do something like how many times has this guy been burned that when a married couple with luggage walk through the door he's like these guys are going to try and do something here they're going to steal a towel that something's going to happen you know and i'm trying to find a toilet there's no toilet in the in the check-in area at all none not a good sign because there's a breakfast area in the check-in bit so you can eat there but you can't shit there which is It's not a good, that's, that's again, we don't trust you. Like we don't, like we offer beds, not trust, you know, like we're going to, the locks on your doors are to keep you in, to stop you screwing up our beautiful guest house. Um, and then I, I left to go to the sound check for the show and I walked out this door and he like chased me. He's like, Hey, Hey, sir. Hey. And I was like, what, what's up? And he's like, you can't go through the door. And I'm like, what? And he's like, you can't go through that door. And I'm like, but it's a door. And he's like, yeah, but it's a fire door. You can't go through the fire door. And I'm like, but aren't fire doors purpose built to go through? Like, that's why he's like, it's a fire door. You can't go through it. And like, this is like, I'm 10 meters away from him. He's like kind of yelling at me in the street and I'm just standing there just like, but I've already gone through it. Like, I can't. I can't go. I can't go back. Like it's it's over. Like it's already happened, dude. Like I'm I'm sorry that I used the wrong door. I won't do it again. And he was just like just again just like so disappointed in me. He's like I knew it. I knew you were going to fucking hurt me the second you checked in. Man. He was crazy. And then the second one, which was my absolute favorite, is that when I when I went cuz I came back and I went to go to the show and I opened the door and like a meter in front of the door There was just like, I'm going to say like a seven-year-old child just by itself, staring at the door, just staring. And I opened the door and it said nothing, (laughs) just no words. It just kind of looked at me for a little bit longer and then turned around and kind of walked away and... It was terrifying. Like it was genuinely like, obviously if it was twins, that's the most terrifying. But as far as single children go and single kind of sounds like a relationship status there, I promise it's not. But as far as single children go, like this was the most terrifying option because it was a ginger kid. It was a ginger male kid. And like, yeah, I didn't realize until I saw that, but there's a definite hierarchy in terms of scary children and ginger as far as hair color goes is number 1 that is the scariest one i think i think blonde is second obviously like the blonder the the scarier like i think that works and then and then uh brunette and then black hair black hair child you're like ah eh. if there's a black hair child staring at the door i'm like probably works here whatever uh, <laughs> but yeah it was just and then i as I left, they had to go upstairs. We're in the basement, by the way. Yeah, of course, of course. Of course we're in the fucking basement. So I had to go up the stairs to go out the right door this time. And the kid kind of, as I'm walking up the stairs, walks up the stairs behind me and around me and in front of me and then just kind of goes ahead. Like, it seemed like a kind of pickpocketing thing. But again, like a like a ginger pickpocket? I can't really picture that either. But yeah, it was... So bizarre. Never exchanged a word. Full-blown eye contact when I opened the door. He was like staring at the door, like waiting for me to come out. Said nothing. Walks away. Then like brushes past me on the stairs. Says nothing again. Never saw him again. Still not 100% sure if he was a ghost. Still not. The ghost of the last child who went out the fire door. (laughs) But yes, guest house. Much like a direct factory outlet misleading title could be construed as conveying some kind of quality. Uh, But actually only horror, only horror, give it a miss, avoid it, go to the motel. There'll probably be a parking spot. God damn. Some lessons were learned on this tour. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed that breakdown of, of, Just being somewhere else for an extended period and learning your shortcomings uh, very vividly. But we're going to take a quick break uh, and then we will jump to some bad advice. All right, before we get out of here, it is time for everybody's favorite consistent segment. It's a little bit of bad advice. Stay a while and listen. All right, this week's email comes in from Yisrael Picker. Uh, he has said, he's asked, rather, uh, there is a podcast that I really enjoy listening to. At one point, there were as many as two shows a week! Uh, for some reason, this podcast seems to have gone wall. How do I tell the cunt to stop slacking and resume the podcast? Your advice would be greatly appreciated. Uh, look, look. I mean, and this guy. Let's be honest. Does sound like an absolute cunt. Um, <laughs> I think. I think sending him uh, emails for segments of the podcast uh, that he can respond to is a great start. Great starting points. Uh, I would. I would also. I would also like to take this second to apologize. Just assuming. I mean, by God, imagine if he was talking about another podcast. Imagine. <laughs> if I've heard this and be like, he's definitely talking about the Daniel Muggleton podcast, that's what's happening there. And no, he's actually talking about another podcast. Um, that would be uh, one of the greatest uh, moments of embarrassment since I got uh, critiqued for how I fucked the air. Um, but how do I tell him to stop slacking and resume? Um, you've done it, mate. We're back in. I'll be honest. It is 1 a.m. on Tuesday. This thing goes out in about five hours. And I think... Without this email, I might have been like, oh, can I? I'm so jet lagged. So I really want to get into another weird sleeping pattern. But we're back in. We're going. And look, one thing that I think I, I just want to, I do want to say sorry. Um, with the tour, things were, you know, just the parking as a great example. Just my, my time... Was taken away from me in ways that I didn't really envision going in. Uh, I didn't. I didn't pre-record episodes. I think if I'm going to go on tour again, that's what I'm going to need to end up doing, uh, or really carve out days where I have a. I have a day off because in on this one I didn't. I think I had one day from June 3rd to June 14th that I did nothing, and to be completely honest, I thought I owed that to my wife to spend some time with her and uh kick around the uk countryside in a kind of positive fashion so that's what i did and if you don't like it you can fuck off No, i mean i i think everybody who listens to this would understand that's a reasonable use of time um so yeah i gotta figure it out i gotta figure out how i'm gonna do it going forward um i also having done all these amazing podcasts in the uk i highly recommend listening to all of them by the way uh I, I've definitely seen what level of professionalism can be brought into the podcast world. It doesn't just need to be a man in his basement ranting uh, for a full hour at various points on, on Monday night for a quick Tuesday morning release. Uh, there's stuff that can be done and I got a few ideas and I think I'll be bringing them forward. But I think the main thing uh, I'm going to do is I'm not going to overpromise. Two episodes a week was cool when I could do it. And during comedy festivals, I could. Uh, I think during the Edinburgh Fringe in August, I might be able to get that happening again. Uh, and I think, you know, there will just be times when there's uh, a friend of mine who'd be a great guest on this podcast and I can grab him and we can do an episode. But I think what I have done with this podcast in the past is over-promise and under-deliver uh, which is corporate speak, but also a very eloquent way to say that. And I think I'm very guilty of it. And I think it's because I want to give you guys so much and I underestimate just how little time I've got. So what I'm going to do is I'm in Sydney for the month of July. I've, I've worked very hard to make sure I don't leave the city uh, so I can get on top of everything. And with that in mind, there will be an episode every Tuesday during that time. I promise that. I won't promise anything beyond it because I don't know if I can keep that promise. But Tuesdays, lock it in, Yisrael, you can rely on it. I think I say they get released at 6 a.m. Sydney time. I don't know why I do that. I don't know why I picture in my mind that there's some... Lycra clad motherfucker going out for the sunrise in their weird little bike gangs, listening to the Daniel Muggleton podcast, listening to the podcast. That is just the exact opposite of getting up early and seizing the day. But that's, that's when I put it out. That's when I put it out. But as always, please do subscribe Uh, because, you know, it is going to be a little bit chaotic. I think that's how it's going to work with this style of podcast. And with this style of person, this is who you're dealing with. This is a person who, while on holiday before entering the UK, thought to double check his entry requirements to the UK. (laughs) It was all fine, but I think most people would probably do that before leaving Australia, not in Spain. You know, so I'm not a particularly prepared person, uh, but I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for getting in touch, Israel. That did actually make me laugh, that email, that genuinely call it. When someone misses your podcast and at the same time calls you a cunt, um... <laughs> those are my people. Those are the people I do this for. Those are the people who enjoy my comedy. So I definitely appreciated that. Uh, With that in mind, uh, we should wrap this thing up. Uh, You know, give us us a little rating on the Spotify or the Apple podcast if you can, if you enjoy it. Obviously, subscribe because I do intend to get these things out at the same time, every time. But just in case I don't, what's the best way to know when an episode comes out? By subscribing. As always, if you want to get in touch with me, dan at danielmuggleton.com.au. And I left this right till the end, but if you are in Sydney, I've got an encore show coming up at the Comedy Store, July 14th, 7pm, one of the best comedy venues in Australia, if not the goddamn world. So if you've already seen the show and know anyone who'd like it, get them along. And also sign up to my mailing list because I'm about to bring in my mailing list discount. I've been trying to figure this out for a little while now and I think I'm finally ready to, Hey, I'll announce it here first. Why not? You can hear first. Uh, if you sign up to my mailing list, I will ensure that for every single show that I do, you can get tickets for $29. It'll never exceed $29. The listed price will be higher than that, but for being on the mailing list, it'll always stay sub 30 because, you know, I don't, I don't want some flash-in-the-pan fans. I want the lifelong folks. I want them wearing different decades of Daniel Muggleton merch. I want them remembering different tracksuits that I had, and I want to reward you for supporting me because I always do appreciate it, even if you don't commute internationally to come see me. <laughs> All right, that's the Daniel Muggleton podcast. It's good to be back. Thank you for waiting for me. Uh, I'll get you another episode next week. But until then, the only way to travel into another seven days, it's Verticoli.